0: Peace and Serenity Radio Podcast. I am your host, Serena Linnell, and I am your girl who is all about peace and serenity. This podcast was created to inspire and encourage peace. I want those who are silently suffering to know they are not alone. If you are an overcomer and would like to be a guest on the show to share your story and encourage others, or maybe you're a growing business and would like to market your business by becoming a sponsor of the show or a show segment, or maybe you want to become a monthly partner and show your support, please contact us by sending an email to peaceandserenity at gmail.com for more information. What's up, Peace Squad? It's Pinktober, and you know what that means. This month, we are highlighting fighters, warriors, survivors, and thrivers. We want them all to have courage, be brave, have hope, and have faith. Today, we will hear from a survivor and thriver. She is a mom, wife, breastie, sister, friend, and she is most passionate about God, her family, her health, her faith, prayer, and finding a cure. She enjoys running and watching sports. She is 33 years old and almost a three year breast cancer survivor. She is currently in sales, but she wears many hats. She is someone who looks for things that bring her joy ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome to the peace and serenity virtual studio mrs katie bowman Woo! Yay!
1: what's up girl
0: what is up how are you
1: i'm doing so good i'm doing so good how are you
0: i'm good i'm good listen y'all i know y'all can't see her but she looks amazing y'all <laughs> she looks so good oh my goodness listen I am so glad you said yes um to just chat with me on the peace and serenity podcast I don't take the opportunity lightly thank you so much
1: of course thank you for having me I am thrilled to be here
0: yes yes so it's Pink pinktober and we are breasties yes and, girl um, <laughs> and um first question that I have for you is um You know, when were you diagnosed with breast cancer? How old were you?
1: I was 30 years old. I had been 30 for not even a month when I was diagnosed with breast cancer.
0: Do you guys hear that? She was 30 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. 30, that is so young. And I feel like we are seeing that more and more now. Um, You know, younger women being diagnosed um so how did you you know how did you find out? because you know they tell us to go and get mammograms starting at what 40.
1: so how did you find out 45 so um yes i think there is an entire generation of 30 something year olds and even some 20 year olds that are being diagnosed with breast cancer and it's mind-blowing um that's one thing i hear all the time is 30 most women are 50, 60 when they're diagnosed. I found um, my lump myself. I did not perform self exams. I wish everybody would perform self exams once a month at the least. Please do it for yourself. Do it for people you love. Um, I just happened to put my hand on my chest one day and feel something that was not there, had not been there before. Um, I didn't wait very long. I gave it maybe a week or so, make sure it didn't change. And then mm-hmm. I called my doctor right away. Uh, I had a mammogram ordered, I think for the next day. I believe I saw my doctor on a Thursday. I had a mammogram on Friday. I had a biopsy on Tuesday. And by the following wow. Thursday, I was diagnosed with breast cancer.
0: Wow. That was fast.
1: It was so that, fast. Yes.
0: That was fast. Now, when you found the lump, did you think breast cancer or did you think like hard tissue, scar tissue? I,
1: if I'm being completely honest, I knew something wasn't right in my mm-hmm. gut. Like, I, I just was like, this is not something's wrong. Something mm-hmm. isn't. My doctor didn't think it was anything. He thought, uh, you know, I'm 30 years old, I'm healthy, I have no history of breast cancer in my family. It's probably a, a, a fibroid adenoma. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got my mammogram and my ultrasound, I knew from the tone of their voice, uh, that, that it was, breast it was cancer.
0: Concerning. Mm-hmm. the
1: ultrasound probably took an hour in my, in my lymph node area. And it was, I could tell for sure that there was something they were concerned about. And in yeah. I was, I was hopeful and I kept telling myself the same thing. I'm 30. I have no breast cancer in my family, but in my heart of hearts, I, I could, I knew it. Like I could you feel knew. it.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Wow, at 30. And and did you hear what she said her doctor um didn't even believe it. And so um when you know that something is wrong, you guys, when it feels different, you have to speak up and save something. You could save your own life. You have to speak up when something is not right. So Um, so you, you, you found the lump yourself, went through all the testing you were diagnosed and then, um, what treatments, um, did you have? Like what, what was your diagnosis and then what treatments did you have to experience?
1: So I was diagnosed with stage two B, um, ER positive. So estrogen progesterone positive HER2 negative breast cancer. Uh, I had three lumps in my right breasts and my lymph nodes were testing positive. Um, I would go on to have a double mastectomy, um, less than a month after diagnosis. I, after that had, and in my double mastectomy, I had an, uh, a lymphectomy. Okay. So I had, t- I had, uh, I think I had 12. Twenty lymph nodes removed right. from my axillary lymph node. Ten of mm-hmm. them were positive. Um, after that, I underwent six months of chemo.
0: Okay.
1: I did twenty rounds over mm-hmm. what what was supposed to be twenty four weeks. I think, and it ended up stretching out to about twenty eight weeks. Right. I did six weeks of radiation, thirty rounds. Uh, And then I had a full hysterectomy.
0: Okay. Okay. That's a lot, sis.
1: Girl, it was a lot.
0: That's a lot.
1: Six months
0: of chemo.
1: Six months. 30 rounds
0: of radiation. You had a mastectomy. Double.
1: Yes, and I was delayed reconstruction. I didn't... I was flat for 18 months. I didn't even start my reconstruction process until... After treatment, after my hysterectomy, actually on my one year anniversary of having my double mastectomy, I had mm-hmm. expanders placed. They were, they remained empty for a few more months after that. Um, but, oh no, I'm sorry. On my one year anniversary of having my double mastectomy, I had a fat transfer to get ready for my expanders.
0: okay. So the process
1: went on and on and on, Um, and I'm now fully reconstructed and couldn't be happier, but uh, yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot of treatment, it was a lot of surgeries.
0: Gosh, I can, I mean, I can only imagine, and, you know, I've been through something similar, I can't say that I've even been through the same thing. Um, I can't imagine how you felt in those 18 months before you even were able to get your expanders, even though that they were empty for a while, um, just in those 18 months. Now, do you, you, you have family, right? Um, your wife, um, and you know, I can't, I, I just can't imagine what that was like. What challenges do you feel like you faced when you were, um, going through the whole entire process from the time, like you were diagnosed, you know, what challenges did you face?
1: So when I was first diagnosed, I remember saying to my doctor, I have to raise my babies. I have to raise my babies. And so that was like number one for me. And I went, you know, I think we all go through this period of of shock and everybody deals with it differently. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll never forget my mother-in-law, she said to me, and I think she shifted my mindset probably for the remainder of treatment, surgeries, all of it. She said, you are going through this because you're going to help somebody. And if you don't go through this, you won't be able to help them. And yes. it was like, oh, like light bulb, aha, like okay, got it. Okay, we're let's do it then. Like
0: yes, and then you no just go fight. right into like fight mode and this yes. warrior mode, and you're yes. like, man, like I'm about to just
1: kick cancer, yeah,
0: behind let's right.
1: Let's go. My doctors were so amazing. I really truly feel blessed. I know that's not the case for everybody but I did have an amazing team of doctors who really gave me the power to make choices based on my thoughts and my opinions and what I wanted to do. Uh, I did end up testing BRCA positive. However, before I tested BRCA positive, I wanted to have a double mastectomy from the moment they told me I had breast cancer. My oncologist, my surgeon, everybody was fully supportive of me from the get go of wanting to do that. Um, Challenge-wise, I would have to say I I was delayed in chemo a few times just for counts being low. I was actually delayed on what was supposed to be my last day. So I showed up to chemo, supposed to ring the bell, be Mm -hmm. done with it, like do it all. And my counts were so low. My platelets were so low that I could not get chemo. That was gut-wrenching. I was supposed to ring the bell with another breastie. We had gone through chemo together. And she got to ring the bell that day and I didn't. Um, I would say by far, that was the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. Just mentally, you mentally prepare for chemo. So getting delayed in and of itself is hard. Right. Um, But getting delayed on your final day was.
0: Yeah, I don't think I I think you're the first person that I've ever heard actually say that, like, because you're right, you mentally prepare yourself. You've got all these emotions going on. You're like, okay, I'm done because chemo is just a beast all in itself, right? To the body. Um, And you don't find out until you get there probably until you had your labs, right?
1: Correct. So I had like a ritual kind of before chemo. Um, My father-in-law was here for most of my chemo. I would get my kids ready. He would come pick up the kids take him to school and then I would get ready and he would come and pick me up I had a weird thing about going to chemo and having like a full face of makeup and just Mm -hmm. like like I'm gonna show cancer okay I'm I'm gonna come and get this chemo but I have to look good like right okay (laughs) so I would wear different color wigs and I just tried to have fun with it and even if I felt terrible I was like, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna look good. Like my, right. my, my might be swollen, I might be bald, I'm still gonna look good if I'm gonna come yes. get this. So, so uh, that was kind of my ritual, but I'd always listen to my worship music in the morning. I journaled a lot before chemo and I would kind of just declare and tell my body, okay, we're gonna get this medicine. It's like I used to say chemo was my personal army of like cancer kicking soldiers, mm-hmm. and they were just working in my veins and, and killing all the chemo cells. So it was a good visual, and I would tell my body, all right, we're going to go. We're going to get the chemo. It's our friend. The soldiers are going to go in there. They're going to do their job. They're going to kill the cancer cells. So there was a lot of um just preparation in the mornings yeah. to go get chemo. And then, that. And get there and be like, oh, just kidding. You have to go home. It was just mentally hard to kind of work up to that, and then – And it happened like two or three times, but the last time obviously was the hardest. And I actually knew the weekend before I got chemo on Mondays and I knew the weekend before my platelets were low. I could just feel it. And I I knew mentally, like I was like, Mm. if I go in there, my blood work is good, then I'm going to be shocked.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But it was still defeating no matter how much. Yeah,
0: exactly. I can only imagine like what the journal entry was like, like on that day.
1: Well, um, I think I kept saying, so like the week before, because t- I'm telling you, I kind of knew my platelets were low and I was drinking beet juice, girl, every day. Have you ever drank mm-hmm. beet juice? Yes. <laughs> no
0: I, I used to do it to to cleanse my, my blood. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: So I was chugging like big 16 ounce bottles like two times a day to try to get my platelets up. It was not good. And I think God was like, girl, you are not in control. Why are you still trying yeah. to control? Like, do you not yeah. see, have you, have the last six months not taught you anything? You are not in control. Yeah. So he He taught me hard and fast that, no, you can drink all the beet juice you want. You can yeah. pick out the calendar day that you're going to finish, but I'm, I'm in control. I'm going to pick. And my husband told me that day on the way home, you know, I was upset. I was crying. I was devastated. He said, whoever is going to be in the room on the day that you ring the bell, they need to see you ring the bell that day. So whatever (laughs) day it is, it's not today. They're not there today. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, and I went home and I, and I was, I did, I pity myself. I gave myself time. I got back up. I went back up to the infusion room and I watched my breastie ring her bell. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And five days later I got my last chemo and I ring the bell Mm -hmm. And there was somebody in that room that needed to see me ring the bell, so.
0: Jesus.
1: Yeah, girl. Okay,
0: so, chills, okay? First of all, y'all, that was, like, that was a lot. And I love the fact that you explained to us how you actually prepared for your infusion, for your chemo treatments, How um, you got mentally prepared and what you were telling yourself and the things that you were feeding your body mentally. Because it matters what we say, how we think, what we feel, you know, what we do. It matters when you're going through something. And the fact that you, you know, you could say, We're going to get this medicine. It's our friend. Um, And you, you imagine, you know, the chemo being an army fighting against the cancer cells, girl, like that, that is something, you know, I wish I had that type of um, imagery to paint the picture from my children when I was going through it, because that is a good visual. It's a yeah. good visual.
1: It's so yeah. mental too. It's such a mental journey. The whole the whole thing is mental. So it nice. just and I did it from the get go. There's so many people out there that say you know chemo is poison, and I was like, no, I am mm-hmm. not telling my body that we are going to get poisoned. That is not good. I'm telling Hello. my body we're going to kill cancer. Let's go kill Hello. cancer. So I, Hello. I even got to the point where I stopped calling it chemo, and I was just like, let's let's go kick butt.
0: Mm-hmm. Mhm. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. And I love what your mother-in-law said that you know, it's it's not for you, it's for somebody else. Um and that's kind of how I felt. That's how I felt. It was like, you know, it's not about me. Like somebody needs to see me fight this thing and somebody needs to see me healed. And yes. so I'm going to show up and I'm going to smile and yes, I had my days. You know, for sure, right? Had my days. Oh yeah. But I would get up, I would put my makeup on, um you know, and I would just I would do the dang thing, right get up, oh, show yeah. up um because I knew somebody was watching
1: you and have to, you have to show up that is yes.
0: yes, yes, oh my gosh now, in what ways has um has your breast cancer journey changed you?
1: Oh girl, in what ways has it not changed me? Okay. Um, I always say, if I was given the option to go back and not get breast cancer, I probably wouldn't take it. I might choose to keep my hair, maybe keep my boobs, but that was all part of it, you know. If mm-hmm. I if I got to keep my boobs or keep my hair, I I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have received the, so many lessons. Um. You know, I was bald and flat at the same time. So, like, these Mm -hmm. two things that really we find our womanhood in were gone. I didn't have them. So, it taught me, you know, real hard and fast that vanity is just that. Mm.
0: It's
1: just Mm. vanity. It doesn't do, you know, my kids did not care that I was bald and flat. They cared Mm -hmm. that I was there. They cared that I got to tuck them into bed at night and eat dinner with them and my husband didn't care as much as I was worried it was going to, he cared mm-hmm. that I was there, that he woke up next to me, I was alive, yes. I was breathing, I'm, I was yes. still the same. My best friend since sixth grade, uh, she was. She came in town a lot through chemo and stayed with us. And I had ran out to CVS one morning Girl, I swear I wouldn't gone more than 15 minutes and I come back and the girl had shaved her head. Shaved her head. Bald. My friend, that doesn't have cancer. Shaved her head. Bald. Ooh, I that's it. what I'm, I'm like, talking about. What did you do? <laughs> and she looks at me and she said, do I look any different to you? And I said, no, you still look like Alicia. You're just. Don't have hair, and she said, Well, that's what everybody thinks when they look at you. You're still Katie, you just don't have hair. And I want and I just needed you to see that, that I'm no different without hair, and you're no different without hair. It's just hair. Did you like,
0: cry, girl? like, Yeah, I'm tearing up right now. I'm just my like, son, Oh my
1: god, it with her, like they were both bald. That's what I said. I was gone for 15 minutes. I come in, they're both bald. I'm like, What is happening?
0: Yes, and, that's how you show up,
1: and it was like. It was such an extreme example, but it, you know, I almost needed it mm-hmm. because people can tell you that until they're blue in the face. You know, we, you don't look any different. You just don't have hair. Like, okay, well, when I look in the mirror, I look different. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm swollen. I'm puffy from the steroids and then chemo and I yeah. have no hair and I have no eyelashes and I have no eyebrows, like just nothing. Right. Yes. And so when she did that and I looked at her and I was like, well, you still look beautiful. You still look like my best friend. You're just like bald. I can't believe how much you're like rocking this bald." And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, that's what people think about me too. Like mm-hmm. I still look like me and people used to say the same thing. You're rocking the bald head, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And it's like, Oh, you think that they're being nice until you really see it and experience it yourself. And I was like, okay, it was so, it was so extreme, but, I think I needed the extreme, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, because then you got it, right? Then, it then I got, and then like, I was okay. like,
1: okay, yeah. So yeah. vanity is just that, it's vanity. Um, not in control is another thing that, you know, I'm a control freak. I've been a control freak my whole life. My dad was a control freak, just a control freak. And God was like, uh, no, girl, you are, <laughs> not, you are not a control freak anymore. You have no control over nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. I Control like mm-hmm. what you
1: eat for breakfast, but that's it.
0: <laughs> that's like so me, like so me. Yes. Oh my gosh, our stories are like, so. Funny.
1: I, I mean, I still control what I can control, but in right. the general sense of the word, I know now that you know God is in control, and He equipped me and my family and my friends and my community with every single thing I was going to need for the journey. Yeah. Every single thing. Like, put people in my life that I was going to need. I mean, I just, I don't even have the work. I mean, like, to the to the tiniest, littlest thing, like, my father-in-law's job shifted locations. And it made it possible for him to be with me for, like, the first half of my journey. Mm. My mom happened to be moving right when I got diagnosed. And she was able to move 10 minutes down the street from me literally right at diagnosis, like just happened to be moving at the same time. Yeah. Um, it, it just little things that were set up that were divine and mm-hmm. there's no other explanation for it. So I know now that he will equip me, whatever it is, he will equip me. He's already 100%. there. He's gone ahead. He's laid the path. Like yes. he equipped my kids. He, He just, like, plays chess with us, I feel like. And he just puts us, you know, we're like his little pawns. And he puts us exactly where we need to be. And the pawn next to us is exactly who needs to be next to us. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Mm. And I just,
1: you know, like, appreciation for life. The littlest things, like, sunrises and sunsets. And I talked to another Rusty about it. Just hearing your kid laugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, hearing your kid cry. You know, like, any all of that. Just waking up taking a breath, you just have so much deeper appreciation for the littlest things in life. And that, that in and of itself, I wouldn't take breast cancer back just because now I have such a deeper appreciation for everything.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's good. That is so good. Um, (laughs) I hope you guys are listening. Like you just dropped so many gems, just, (laughs) you know, I hope. I know somebody, I'm not hoping, I know somebody is inspired and encouraged and motivated um, to just keep going just after hearing everything that you've shared today. And, um, you know, do you have any last words? Is there, you know, anything else that you want to share with the audience or someone who's currently in the fight today?
1: I would just say, um, listen to your body. Like you said, be in tune with your body. It's whatever you feel like, listen to it. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't discount yourself. Don't let anybody discount you. Don't let friends, family, doctors, if you think something is wrong, find out what's wrong and don't stop until you find and until you get answers. If you feel something isn't right for you, don't stop until you get answers. Um, breast cancer survivors, thrivers, uh, you don't have to live flat, find a plastic surgeon, find a surgeon who will help you reconstruct no matter what your treatment is. You do not have to live flat. I wish I would have known that. and just give yourself grace. It's not going to be butterflies and unicorns and rainbows every day. I'm telling you, I was positive. I was mentally strong. I'm telling you there were days that I didn't think I was going to be able to get up and do it. I didn't think I was going to be able to put my foot in front of the other. There are still days where your brain spirals after way after. I mean, I'm three years out from diagnosis. Give yourself grace be patient, be kind to yourself. Mm. If, you if you wouldn't think something about your best friend or your sister or your brother or your mother, don't think it about yourself. Fight and put one foot in yeah. front of the other. Put one yes. foot in front of That's all you got to do. Just want, Sometimes it is one second at a time.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much.
1: Thank um, you for having
0: you. me. Yes, you are so welcome. I wish you nothing but peace and serenity in all of your future endeavors. You have been such a joy to speak with today. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Peace Squad. Don't touch that mouse. Don't close this app. We will be right back. Keep it locked right here. Do you need systems and automation in place for your health, wellness, or fitness business? Having your business run on autopilot while you focus on income-producing activities is amazing. DRM Coaching helps you create and implement your systems and automation to help you grow and scale your business. Dion Murphy, MBA, is the owner of DRM Coaching and her virtual gym. Dion is no stranger to hard work and dedication. Visit Dionmurphy.com for your systems and automation strategy or to get your health and fitness on the right track. What's up, Peace Squad? Thank you for hanging out with me today. I want to thank my special guest, and I want to thank our show sponsor, DRM Coaching and Her Virtual Gym. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Until next time, if you don't have peace, get you some. I'm out. Peace.